Hope everybody is doing okay in quarantine. Thank you to everybody who has subscribed and who is chipping in monthly. It really helps keep us going. Today we have a special show. We're going global today. Congressional candidate Justin Jones, who is running in Nashville, and his friend, a med student in Italy, which has become sort of the epicenter of the virus and what's going on, Elena Rossellini. Although, Elena, we are pretty quickly taking over for you guys. So... Uh, we're joining you on that precipice. How are you guys doing today? We're doing good. <laughs> Even mm-hmm. if we're, yeah, uh, we are in quarantine, we're doing good. Luckily, we're, we're all like in good health and happy to be. <laughs> okay, good. Well, Justin, first, let me ask you, you're running for Congress, uh, but this has been definitely a difficult hurdle and a hiccup on the path. What What are you doing with the campaign right now? And how have you sort of transitioned into dealing with this crisis? Yeah, uh, well, first of all, thanks for having us on today, Justin. Um, after the tornado that happened um, about three weeks ago now, we put the campaign on hold. And, and now with this new crisis, I've kind of transitioned to mutual aid work, um, you know, doing grocery deliveries and errands for seniors and other folks who have compromised immune systems and just trying to help how we can. So our whole campaign is really focused just now on how we can serve in the community. Um, with a lot of uncertainty going on, if there's even going to be an election or, you know, we don't have absentee voting. So, um, those are things that are just up in the air right now. So really just trying to um, continue pushing the issues, though, that launched our campaign in November when we launched on November um, 19th. The same issues that we were lifting up then of a universal health care system, of canceling student debt, of paying living wages, issues that we know that this crisis is bringing to light that we need. And so we continue to lift those up and we'll continue to fight for them, whether um, it's on the campaign trail or whether it's just advocates in the community so okay and and elena well i think it's great that you, you you're, you're helping i saw that you were helping when the tornado hit also and justin your campaign has always been about service and, and giving back so you know it's not surprising to hear that you're prioritizing other people's needs over your campaign's needs right now uh, elena tell us real quick um what has it been like where you are are you in the the place where it's hardest hit or are you in a, a place where the virus has been a little easier on you okay i live in perugia which is in the center of italy and luckily my region was um not the the two regions that were mostly hit uh, which is lombardy and veneto but we uh, at the beginning so we were less worried because we felt like it was not still where we lived, but actually now the numbers are, are growing and we really have big numbers in every region. So that's why uh, the minister Conte uh, decided to put um, the red zone, not just in Lombardy and uh, in the uh, 11 like CDC put before, but he decided to extend the red zone um, all of Italy. So now before it felt like distance to us, but <laughs> distant to us, but then in one day, the 10th, yeah, the 9th night, uh, the March 9th, we felt like, oh, the minister announced that uh, every city, every part of Italy is a red zone. So we had to realize that we now we can't go out anymore. So it was a little bit harsh at the beginning, but then we realized we were doing it for the community. So even if we can see other people, we can see our boyfriend, we can see our grandmother, grandfather, but this is like we're doing for them. So even if at first you may feel, oh, I feel sad because I just can't go to the grocery store, to the pharmacy, but 
that's why we're doing it because <laughs> we're doing to save people, to save our grandparents, to save our friends, because the less contact you have, the less you flatten the curve, the less, you know, you just, we get out of this, the faster we get out of this, because this is not an easy situation. We've been, I've been quarantined for the, uh, like 14 days. I've lost the counts and always staying at home, always just, you cannot even go walk far by, like, you can't even go walk. You can just walk by your house. And it's not advised because if you walk, you meet people. <laughs> so it's just like, we're doing it for the best, like, of, for our community. Have they given you guys a sense of how long it will last there? They're saying that the more we follow the rules, <laughs> the more it, like, the, the faster it's going to end. Because, of course, People, I, I'm lucky because I have like a garden, I can just you know, go outside, but the people who live in buildings, it's not, you know, sometimes really easy to stay in the house all day, but they say the more you follow the rules, and now Italians have started to realize we're, we're almost following the rules. We're like, we have a high sense of responsibility right now. And they have uh, put like, uh, for people who don't respect the rules, really, uh, like uh, strict <laughs> um, penalties because you have to pay a fine which is like almost three from 300 to three or four thousand when you get like caught outside going with no reason and we have a paper when you go outside you have to sign and you have to go why you go outside and if you tell a lie you get you get reported <laughs> so. wow well that's uh <clears throat> justin that's a little different than what's going on here yeah. isn't it you know uh we're not the best rule followers elena uh, we're, we can, you know, we, we brag about being the land of the free, but that doesn't serve us very well in these situations. Uh, Justin, what are you seeing in Nashville as far as people following the rules? And what do you think would happen if people started getting slapped with fines for going outside? Yeah. Well, one reason I asked Elena, you know, my friend from high school to join us is that we've been having these talks just on FaceTime and calls just about how different our government has responded to how different the Italian government has responded, where they took the quarantine very seriously in Italy. And here we have a governor who still has not declared a state of, you know, a state of, of lockdown. You know, he's still trying to preserve economic prosperity. But the truth is, you don't have an economy when everyone is sick. And I think that's one thing that Italy is showing us is that they're taking this seriously because they know that you cannot separate the health of the people from the health of the economy. And here we have, you know, these, these politicians who are, you know, uplifting this, this narrative that will be good by Easter, when we know the scientists and the experts are saying that that is um, not likely and, and in fact very, you know, improbable. And so I think what we're seeing in Nashville, you know, I'm, I'm grateful to our mayor for finally declaring a state of stay at home, but it needs to be statewide and it needs to be um, something that's enforced. And it should have been done, you know, weeks ago, because we know that Italy, if Italy can teach the world anything, it's that taking this crisis seriously, you know, being quick in, in terms of an, enacting this lockdown and enforcing it are very key to containing and mitigating the results of this crisis. And so that's why I'm, I'm looking to Italy as right now, of not only what to do, but also if we're, if we're serious, Italy is, a, is foreshadowing what is going to happen in this nation on a much larger scale because our population is so much bigger in the coming weeks. And so we can look to, to Elena and those folks, our friends in Italy right now, to see what are they doing? What can we learn from and what can we implement here so that we can take this seriously and be prepared? Because um, we have some time right now. Elena, what kind of medicine do you study? I'm, uh, so we have like, uh, our major is uh, medical um 
you know, medical bachelor is six years. So we have, we don't have like four years medical school like you do. We have six years. We go, we get in just out from when we get out of high school, we go in this six years and I'm in my fifth year. So I still wow. have one year to go <laughs> before graduating as a general, you know, doctor and then have to specialize further. <laughs> Here, I noticed that there were some schools that were graduating med students early to get them onto the front lines because they needed so much help. Have they talked about doing that there at all? Okay, that's, um, they did kind of the same thing here. So not, so they're doing graduations online because they want people to graduate. They want people to not be stopped. Uh, but what they did uh, after we graduated in Italy, we should take, before we took a test, like a multiple choice test was called like state exam. But that was just like a paper. It was not a test on like real people. So they decided to take this because it was just like making them lose time because we couldn't take tests because we couldn't have a lot of people go together in one place. So they decided if since this test was blocking a lot of doctors to become doctors, because if you didn't take this test, you're not like a doctor. They decided to just like, okay, you're you graduated. You don't have to take this exam. You're doctors. So you can go help. <laughs> wow. Well, I, I have to say, first of all, just being a doctor or a nurse or, you know, going into the medical profession is heroic on its own, <laughs> you know, in, in any time. But especially right now, you know, I, I really think that the Time Magazine person of the year is going to be healthcare workers. And so I really appreciate and respect that you're doing that. Uh, one of the I don't know what Justin has told you about Tennessee, but, you know, Nashville itself is a progressive place, but it's under the control of very conservative people who don't necessarily value science and scientific evidence-based reasoning too often. And the head of the Republican House caucus here recently posted an image of what was going on in Italy and used it as a way to disparage the single-payer system that you all have there. What can you tell us about universal healthcare in Italy, the single payer system, and how it's helped you deal with the situation that you're in? Okay, I think that I always tell Justin that for me, it's hard to think of the health system as private because you know I've, I, I grew up in uh, Italy, so for me, it's normal that everybody get access to healthcare, and I think that we have we have a lot of elderly people, a lot of seniors because our universal system uh, permits them to have to get access to whatever like drug whatever treatment you need depending like independently from what how much money like you have i've seen people in the hospital get a treatment and they're maybe they're really poor but they don't have this anxiety oh my god i'm poor i cannot get access because you can even get surgery but like the highest kind of surgery or like uh, like very uh, expensive treatments for oncologic or whatever and you just get it. So I think that talking about the the coronavirus is just if if the system wouldn't have been a public system, like I mean, this system permits that everybody can just call a number, say that to this number, okay, I don't feel okay, and a doctor is calling you right away in the day or the next day, and if he thinks that you could have coronavirus, you just get like the proper thing or you if you're okay you can just get quarantine at home if you're not they just transfer you to the hospital so i think that our you know public system actually as health has been like the 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 good thing for this uh, pandemic because can you imagine if people cannot just call and say they're sick 
or they're worried because they have to pay. Because if, if you have to say people stayed one month in the hospital or maybe in the ICU, and then you just go home and you don't have to pay anything. What do you, if you have to pay for like staying there? People maybe don't call or they don't say they're sick. So actually, and of course, as I told you, we have a lot of elderly people because this universal health system permits people to get treatment at whatever age, whatever like wage they have. So, right. Well, Justin, do you want to weigh in on that also? And by the way, I just want to tell you, Elena, the guy who I'm talking about, his name is Jeremy Faison and he is the, I just want to name him so that, you know, make sure we name and shame these people when they say these things. Justin, what do you think of Jeremy Faison essentially saying that a much better system when in a pandemic is one where people are afraid to go get checked out and get care because they're worried they may have thousands of dollars in medical bills. I mean, I think we have to call it for the myth that it is. And I think this is a myth that the Republican Party has been pushing where they're saying that Italy is having to choose between who lives because of a socialized medicine, when in fact that is a myth and it's a fear tactic. What is really happening is that it's a question of capacity where it, Italy, they have longer life you know, expectancy because people have healthcare. And secondly, you know, America, which with our capitalist system is going to be in the same situation as Italy, but on a much larger scale. And so we have to stop talking about this as, oh, it's socialized medicine. That's why they have to choose. But it's a question of numbers and mathematics. I don't know if Jeremy knows that, but it's, you know, we hope that he does. And so, you know, what we need in Tennessee is we should have expanded Medicaid a long time ago, but also we need Medicare for all on a national scale, because not only will it ensure that people are covered by healthcare, but a Medicare for all system would also give us a much more unified healthcare response to this. We're seeing such a very piecemeal, very divided, you know, responses across the nation, where if we had a universal healthcare system, it would be much more coordinated. And that's what we need in this time. Where in our state, you have a governor who does not treat this seriously. You know, I look up to um, Governor Cuomo in, in New York and, and commend him for what he's doing. But in a state like our state, we're left to, you know, fend for ourselves and count on local leadership because we have a failure from the state government. And that is a shame. And so we need a Medicare for all system, um, not just when this crisis is happening, but, you know, long after so that when other crises come down the road, that we will be better prepared than we are today. And people will not be afraid. We have to remove barriers for people who are un uninsured, underinsured, as well as people who are undocumented. We have to remove those barriers so all people can access healthcare in this time of crisis. I agree. I think we're only as good as our weakest link. And if people are walking around sick and making hamburgers sick, that makes us all sicker. Elena, do you guys have a similar relationship with your leadership? I saw one great video of Italian mayors. It was like a supercut of all these Italian mayors going into the streets and yelling at people, essentially cursing them out to telling them to go home. That would never happen here. I, partly because our politicians just don't have the balls to do that, but also because we don't respect our politicians in that way. Do you guys have, do you, like when you, I'm sure you hear from Justin all the time about our disdain for our leadership. Do you share that there or what, or is it a much different relationship? I think that the one I've seen the videos too uh, of this mayors going around, I haven't seen my mayor going around, but he, uh, <laughs> I think they're doing it because especially uh, in uh, maybe in um, small towns, maybe they have even more contact with the people they live in. But anyway, I think because even as Italians, our character is really, we express a lot. As you can see, I talk with my hands a lot too. So probably that's what, the, that way was the, the way they were so, you know, they said that people have to follow the rules. So maybe instead of like putting a video, they just went to their citizen <laughs> and go look around if people was in the park. I saw people, I saw videos that 
you know, young people might maybe at first they didn't understand the real situation, how dangerous, and they would still go out. And I see this video of the mayor like say, Oh, you have to go home or something like that. Yeah. But I think in this situation, um, especially um, some like politicians, uh, even if before, you know, everybody criticized, it's like, it's like in the USA, you know, somebody may criticize, somebody may say you're doing good, but uh, uh, they're, they're giving us like, we can trust them right now because they're making situation, even if at first they, they could have been some, er some errors, some mistakes, like everybody, but now they, they, we feel like they've, understood like how dangerous is the situation so it's like we have more trust in them right, right. now right we want to hear we want to hear the bad news go ahead justin and i think the biggest difference between our leadership here and our you know from the national team state and local levels that in italy um you know their leaders are following science here we still have members of the tennessee general assembly who, who think this is the flu who think that you know we can just go and you know the, the summertime will, will clear it out or we have a president who thinks that by easter time will be over we have leaders here who have not taken it seriously for themselves and so of course they're not going to take it seriously for people and i think the biggest thing too i just want to lift up you know thanks again for joining us elena is that you know we I think what we're going to need is we need a global we need a global solidarity and global outlook out this crisis. Where you see in Italy, you had people, you know, you had even you know Cuban doctors coming to to work in Italy to help people. Um, you know, a country that we've condemned and we've sanctioned, and yet we, what we need to face a global pandemic is global solidarity. And we and one thing that we need to do is we need to end the sanctions on countries like Iran. You know where people are suffering and dying because of this cruelty from our administration. We need to, to question ourselves why the CDC budget, which is 1.5% of what the national defense budget is. Like these are things that are questioning and our leaders need to be questioning right now. And we need that type of prophetic leadership that says not only are we going to just you know panic and and or, or or give people false hope of what was possible in a few weeks, but we're going to be realistic about what's going on and we're going to you know reach out to folks and, and follow the scientists. I've been loving to listen to the press conferences of Dr. Tedros of the World Health Organization because I think he's giving us a global perspective of what's going on and, and teaching us that we have to look to our, our, our friends and, and, and folks all around the world to, to solve this. And that's why we're looking to Italy right now to see how can we join together and what can we learn from each other. Um, in Italy, their government are shutting down factories. I think Elena's going to talk about it, where they're transforming the Gucci factory to build masks, you know, to make masks, you know, things where people are so, you know, here we're so interested in profit. You had Senator Corker uh, last night talking about how we need to get the economy up and going. Well, if he believes that he can be the first one out there, you know, in the hospitals, like my mother is, where the, the nurses don't have personal protective equipment and are out taking care of patients. Like, go ahead and if you want the economy to get up and going, you know, Governor of Lieutenant, Lieutenant Governor of Texas, Senator Corker, Senator Marsha Blackburn, then go out and do it. But don't put other people's lives at risk with your foolishness. Well, I think that's a good point. And, you know, the Corker of it all, that guy made a lot of money while he was in office trading stocks. Uh, he went in in debt, came out up $70 million, made about 12,000 trades in his first seven months in office or 1,200 trades in his first seven months in office. Corruption is legal in America, and we, you know, we have seen what our priorities are, especially now that already, I mean, we've been on lockdown not even half as long as Italy, and they're already talking about the stock market. I wanted to ask Elena, is that happening in Italy? Are they talking about the Italian stock market and, and the economy? When I, of course, when I hear the news, they're talking how, of course, this is going to go bad for, you know, the economy, because, of course, I was always telling Justin, uh, our factories are closed like the there is just a list of the factories that that are still open that are like essentials for like the grocery store line or for like essential needs they're still open but the other one are closed and so of course we're worried 
or they're worried about uh, the economy, but they tell there's no economy if there's sick people and people that are dying. So first we have to care about the people and then we'll do whatever it takes, uh, even like with the Europe you know, help or with the Italian help. They say, we're gonna do everything that it takes to support families, to support mortgages, to support people that cannot pay a mortgage. They don't have, even my, my, my parents, they have, a uh, little business and they have to pay, you know, taxes and to pay people. And they said, oh, we're going to help you pay for this month. Nobody's paying taxes. And they said, well, Worried. Everybody's worried about the economy, but it can't be just the first thing because if people are dying, there's no economy. So we talk about that, of course. But first of all, we have to stop this pandemic because we otherwise there's no economy. Yeah. That's that's so true, you know. And and I think that false choice is what Governor Lee was getting at when this all started. He was basically saying, "Well, it's either lives or livelihood." And at the end of the day, they're on the same side of the equation. You know, if we don't save lives. It doesn't matter how quickly we get people back to work. You know, people are going to be sick and the economy is not going to be where it needs to be anyway. Uh, Justin, you mentioned that <clears throat> what we can't ignore is how connected we all are. There's a connectedness to this whole thing. You know, that's what conservatives are constantly talking about is how it's America first, Americans, us. You know, just tell, tell talk a little bit about how this shows that we are all in this thing together and and how the virus has sort of held up a mirror to show us all the shortcomings in our society. Definitely. I think the greatest thing that we're seeing from this is that this pandemic is not stopping at national boundaries. Like the people who talked about building a wall, this wall would not protect you from this virus. What, what, it, what we're seeing is that we need to look to our neighbors. We need to have a global coordinated response to this because it's affecting all of us. And that this is reminding us that, you know, the nation with the most powerful, quote unquote, powerful military in the world, we spend, you know, $738 billion um, on our military, trillion dollars on our military, and that is not keeping us safe. Um, what we should be investing in is, is supporting um, science, supporting the CDC, looking at how we can coordinate our response with countries that we have, you know, had adversarial relationships with. I, again, I think it's so powerful. I have to, you know, for those who are condemning socialism, look at what the Cuban doctors are doing, going to other countries and helping. We're not even, you know, we're not even having a, a you know, con communicated, connected response in our own nation from state to state. And so I think that is something that's being, you know, put for the world to see, as well as everything that we've we've been ashamed of in America, everything that we we've sought to brush under the rug is being brought bare on the surface. The, the systemic poverty, you know, we look at housing, you know, we're talking about stay at home. There's so many people in our nation who don't have a home to go to. And yet we need to talk about housing as healthcare. We look at, you know, look at who's really keeping our economy going, who is the essential workers. It's the folks in the grocery stores, the, the post office man I see every day delivering our mail. It's our nurses, it's, you know, folks, it's our janitorial staff. These are the people who are the backbone, the heartbeat of our society right now. And yet we still don't pay them a living wage. So these what, are what does, it, what does it make you think, Justin, when, you know, we've spent however long talking about through this election, things like healthcare, things like food stamps, things like housing, and been told that we can't afford it. And then the market shuts down for a week and suddenly they print $6 trillion worth of, of, of new money and tell us essentially that there is infinity money to deal with the things that they want to deal with because the market has gone down. Meanwhile, we've been told over and over again that we can't pay for things that actually help people who have been in crisis for, for decades. 
Exactly. Well, you know, I'm also a minister. And one thing I would say from scripture is you put your money where your heart is. We're putting our money where our heart is. Our heart in America is with corporations. Our heart in America is with the wealthy. Our heart is not with the least of these. And that is a shame. And so, you know, what we need is we need a revolution of, of values, as Dr. King called it. Dr. King talked about, you know, we need a moral revolution. And a lot of people were afraid of the word revolution in this election. But we're seeing that we do need a radical change because this virus is not, you know, moderate. This virus is radical. And so we need a, a radical shift in America. And I hope my, my greatest fear is that when this passes, if it passes, you know, you know, God willing, we go back to business as normal. That would be the greatest insult of this time if we go back to business as normal and just say okay we'll go back you know every, everything's good we'll go back to a system that values profit over people that would be the greatest shame of this time i think now is a time where everything's laying bare and we need to use this time as a time to self-examine and as a time to push these radical policies that say that we need policies that correspond to the level of the crisis that we're facing right now how do we do that how do we how do we make sure it sticks i mean i you know i agree with you and you know i think you never really go broke betting against our ability to learn lessons here. So, you know, how do we make sure that this sticks? How do we make sure that when we come out of this, people realize that, you know, we were exposed and this exposed our system? Definitely. I think the biggest things we need to fight against these corporate bailouts is say, no, we don't need to bail out Wall Street. We need to bail out the folks, the workers who are risking their lives right now, the people who don't who are struggling to pay for their medications and their housing. Like we, we need to talk about what we're prioritizing and that if, if these folks, if we, we see these debates and we see what's going on on the Senate floor, on the House floor, if the folks, if, if our leadership is not leading, then we, we need to replace them and say that we need folks who, who, who are visionary, who say that we can dream of an alternative system that might not you know, stop another crisis from coming, but can make us better prepared because we don't know what the future holds. I think you know, what's interesting about this time is that it's giving us just a preview of the next coming decades if we don't take the climate catastrophe seriously, where we're struggling you know, for resources, we're struggling for health. You know, if we don't take climate change seriously, this is just a, a small preview of what will happen in the decades or even years to come. And so we need folks who take that seriously. We need folks who talk about what's going on. And I'm tired of seeing you know, corporate CEOs at press conferences and on the news. We need to hear from regular folks, from young people whose futures at stake, from workers who are losing their jobs or who are struggling to get by. Those are the folks who can tell the truth about what's going on right now. And you know, I, I believe what Cornell West said. He said, "I believe in truth telling, and truth is allowing suffering to speak." We need to hear the voice of suffering in our system right now. We need to hear where the pain is, and that's where the power should be—not on Wall Street, not at Google, not at Facebook, not at in the White House. But it needs to be with folks. Who, who know the issues and who are who are afraid of April first coming because rent is due, who are afraid of April first coming because their mortgage, you know, their payments are due. That's who we need to be hearing from. I think that's really well said, Ellen. I just want to go back to you for a minute, and you know, then we'll wrap this up here. What does America look like from where you're sitting? Like, what's the attitude towards the United States these days? How do people feel about us? Okay, what from what I feel, even like watching the news. Um, I've been hearing you're the third country, you know, after China, after Italy, like the, 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 the contagious people are spiking up, but I've heard like Donald Trump is taking some measures, but I actually don't know, I haven't like go like in particular on what measure he took, but uh, I've, I've, I've heard from Justin of the swap thing that they were uh, not enough, like doing testings. But um, I think what we, our feeling at that, uh, you um, you are now going <laughs> to what we're living right now and so I hope you can get prepared at best and that uh, you can learn a lesson from like like we have to learn a lesson too it's not just like the USA or Italy everybody 
every country in this has to learn uh, a lesson and we hope we don't forget it because like I, as i was telling justin this crisis situation put our like our best because even online classes like my my professors are doctors my my semester i had infectious disease teaching and so the doctors who are mostly working because infectious disease is the one who treat coronavirus, they're teaching us to. So they take time from the patient that takes the mask out and they just teach us and then they go back, they tell us how people is doing and then, or people are singing in buildings, they're trying, even if we're locked, we're singing at 6 p.m. Everybody is trying to you know sing the anthem. So I think- Is that this still happening? I saw that, that's awesome. Yeah, we, we did it for a couple of days. I think it's still happening in big cities. And even people are like singing in the hospital, all the doctors, even if they're far away with FaceTime for, to the patients. So I think this um, time of difficulty it brings the best of people if we know how to, you know, take it and not forget it. And, you know, it's not just bad. We can do good things too. <laughs> I think that's really true. You know, I, I keep envisioning... Obviously, the Olympics have been postponed, but eventually they're going to happen. And when they do happen, it'll be a real celebration of humanity and life. It'll be as though we just came through a war where we were all on the same side. And, you know, that's a beautiful thing. And I, I, I hope that the people who need to learn that lesson the most, the people who have been trying to cut us off from the rest of the world for so long and, you know, make it as, as though our lives matter more and our, you know, that somehow we can detach ourselves, learn the lesson that we really can't. And, you know, that I think is the real push and pull between progressives and, you know, the conservative agenda, which is on a smaller level here in this country that we're all in this thing together, that empathy is really the thing that we need to highlight as opposed to every every man or every country or every city for themselves. So, Justin, I think you embody that. I really appreciate that. I want to give you a chance to just tell people about your campaign. I know you don't want to be campaigning right now, but you are still running for Congress. So I'm going to insist that you tell people how they can help your campaign. Yeah, what I would say is that um, one thing, again, we're focusing on is mutual aid. And so if there's anybody on this podcast who's a senior or someone who has difficulty getting access to groceries or running errands, feel free to email our campaign at team at justinjones2020.com. Myself or one of our team members can help, you know, in the ways that we can in delivering and, and picking up things and, and supporting. That's what we really want to focus on right now. Um, I believe what Elena said is that this is a time for us to come together as community and to focus on our most vulnerable. Um, we should not be talking about, you know, sacrificing our seniors. This is a time to say that we need to honor our seniors and the wisdom that they have, our elders, and that they've kept us. And so um, we really want to lift up our elders. We want to talk about, um, and Elena, you taught me the saying, Andrata tutto bene, which is in Italy, what people are saying is that everything will be all right. Um, and, and it's something that, you know, we heard growing up um, in the church, you know, I got a feeling everything is going to be all right. Kendrick Lamar said, we gonna be all right. Whatever you wanna say, I think that if we come together and prioritize community, prioritize the most vulnerable and prioritize coming together collectively, I believe that is where hope lies in this time of crisis, that this is really a time that is, is reminding us, um, is, is humbling us to say that, you know, we we depend on in human interaction. We depend on on supporting each other. We depend on lifting up each other. I um, mean, that, you know, our healthcare system, the, the, the least insured person is, 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 is something that affects us all. And so I think this is a time to really remember our collective humanity and to stress that in a time where you have people talking about Team America and, you know, America's greatness. It took a germ, just, a, just something as small as a germ to, to make our whole economy come down. So, you know, our, our military cannot protect us. And so we're really remembering and, and having to recognize what matters to us. And so our campaign is going to continue to push these issues, continue to push the dialogue. I'm glad to see some of these members of Congress, um, you know, <laughs> finally supporting universal health care and canceling debt. 
Um, I just hate that it took a crisis for some people to finally wake up, but we'll take what we can. And so um, I'm, I'm willing to look forward you know, to working in the community as continuing to, to lift up these issues. I would say also to students, I don't wanna forget this because it's something that affected me. If you have student loan debt, um, the administration announced this week that you can postpone your debt 60 days, please, contact your loan service provider and do that. I was getting text messages just a few days ago saying, you forgot to pay your debt. I'm like, no, I just, I can't right now. And so if you're in that same situation, please contact um, the loan service provider and get your, your loan deferred. Hopefully we can talk about canceling student debt as well, because that's a serious issue. In Italy, I don't think, Elena, you have to worry about things like student debt, or you know, you don't have to worry about you know this excessive other anxiety factors because you, you can focus on the crisis because you, you have basic programs of social uplift. That's what we need to be talking about in America is housing as a human right, is, is lifting up um, you know, the most vulnerable. We also need to shut down ICE. Let me, let me just end on that is because in these ICE facilities, yesterday was reported that we had the first instance of coronavirus in the ICE detention camp. If we're shutting down non-essential businesses, ICE should be shut down. ICE has never been essential. It was created after September 11th. It's, it's, it's terrorizing our neighbors still. And we need, to, we need to take that money and put it, let's put it toward programs that will help our people um, in this time of crisis. And so these are some issues that our campaign is lifting up since we, we launched and we'll continue pushing those issues. Um, and again, feel free to email us at team at justinjones2020.com. Justin, thanks for what you're doing. Thanks for all of that. That's uh, uplifting and powerful. And I appreciate the message that you're running on. Elena, stay safe over there. Uh, <clears throat> keep us in mind. And, you know, we're going to go ahead and hope that this starts to wind down. And at the end of the day, we're all going to look back at this as, you know, an eye-opening experience and a learning lesson. And uh, I, I know we're all going to be all right. Andrata Thank you. <laughs> What'd you say? What was it? Say it again. Andrata tutto bene. Andrata tutto bene. Everything you both say it a lot better than I will, so I won't even try. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate you guys. Take care. Thanks for the canoe. Thank you. Tennessee. Woo! Yeah. Tennessee. To Tennessee.